Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, well, spring training, we are now just, uh, well, as this podcast drops on Wednesday, eight days from opening day, uh, nine days for the Rays opener against the Orioles on April 8th on Friday. So we thought it was a good time to bring in Neil Solons, host of Rays Radio pregame, postgame. You've heard him if you've uh, caught any of the television pro- uh, broadcast during the spring training or uh, if you listen online to the webcast or the radio, you've heard him doing play-by-play. Neil Solance joins us. Uh, we're actually recording this on an off day, so you're not down in Port Charlotte today. You actually get to spend a little time at home, see the wife and kids. But, uh, Neil, first of all, thanks for joining us. And uh, how's spring training gone so far? Relatively smoothly. You know, it, it, it's weird because, you know, to us it's kind of rushed. I mean, you know, lockout ended, it's like, okay, let's get started. Um you know, but I think the players themselves handled everything really well. You know, I, I can't speak to the number of times I talked with either Kevin Cash or a front office member or another coach on the staff who raved just about the kind of shape that the guys came into really ready to go and motivated and driven after the way last year ended. Isn't that kind of a big change over the last, I don't know, let's say, you know, 10 to 20 years in sports really is, you know, you used to have spring training or preseason for NFL or hockey or basketball, you know, whatever your sport. And it was, you know, it was really to get the guys in shape. I mean, you know, football used to have two-a-days and three-a-days, and it was really because guys just came in and, okay, now it's time to put in the work. Where players today now are, it's a 365-day-a-year job of staying in shape and and eating right and keeping your body in, in, in the right condition that, you know, it's no longer, you know, the offseason you sit around and, and hang out or work other jobs, et cetera. I mean, the money factors in that too, but the players really are ready at any time. I would say for the, you're, you're right, Steve, I would say for the vast 98% of them, you know, they come in in game shape, ready to play in games. You know, there's certainly probably a few out there who still get themselves in game shape, um, you know, by playing games, by using their spring training or whatever it may be, um, you know, and I think it also speaks to the physicality of the athletes that you now have. You know, I really think um, that the game is blessed by um, tremendous talent across the board on the the pitching and the hitting side. And, and certainly I think from a race standpoint, they seem to have a lot of depth and that's why they've been so good the last several years. Well, speaking of depth, and we'll start there with as we look at this roster and how it may be made up next year. Uh, with the trade of Harold Ramirez, and we'll get to him in a second, that's a right-handed bat they got in a trade. He's an outfielder, probably going to play mostly DH. But they could have seven outfielders on this roster if Josh Lowe were to make the opening day roster. I don't think he will, based on the numbers. You, of course, got Kevin Kiermeyer, Manuel Margot, Randy Arazarina, Austin Meadows, Brett Phillips, and now Harold Ramirez, and then Josh Lowe is waiting to come up as a prospect in the minors. Yeah, you know, I, I think if if Josh is to make the opening day roster, um, I think whenever he or, or if he is when he is on the roster, I think he's going to be an everyday player. You know, I do speak to a lot of people who think he's he's pretty 
darn ready to help. And when he does, he's going to be a really good player. I mean, we're talking about a guy who didn't get caught stealing last year, had 20-plus homers, 20-plus stolen bases, um, you know, hit to, I think, 900 and change OPS and AAA, uh, plus outfielder who can play center field, who's got the ability, um, you know, to also, you know, to throw the ball extremely well to all bases. Um, you know, I think when he is ready and when the Rays deem him ready, he's going to be an impact guy in, in a lot of ways to this group. But I do think right now, you know, and look, as we record this, we're still not 100% sure if Kevin Kiermaier's groin is, you know, back to 100% and that he's going to be ready for opening day. He says so, but if he isn't, you know, that does impact the opening day roster and, mm-hmm. and gives Josh a greater chance of having an impact on this group. So you mentioned the opening day roster. and Well, let's actually first, let's get to Harold Ramirez. So the Rays make a trade. Um, no question they've needed some right-handed bats in this line. You don't have Nelson Cruz back from last season. Um, you, you have a lot of left-handed power in this line. You didn't have a lot of right-handed power. So tell us about Harold Ramirez and what the Rays see in him. Well, I think the, the relationship um, with Harold goes back to the fact that Kevin Cash knows Terry Francona and, and knows what kind of guy he is. He was with Cleveland last year. You know, the moment the race got Harold from the Cubs, Tito texted uh, Kevin Cash to let him know what a good guy they got and what a good clubhouse guy they got. But more than that, I think he can, you're right, he can hit against left-handed pitching. And, you know, that adds to Randy Rosarena, adds to Yandy Diaz and Manuel Margot. And remember that, you know, Mike Zanino obviously was very good against left-handed pitching last year. You know, you can always put Francisco Mejia in the lineup. If you want to put both catchers and put Mejia at first base and Yandy at third, you've got Taylor Walls and Juan DeFranco who both switch hit and maybe both stronger from the right side. So, you know, I think it gives him some balance. I think Harold would be more of a DH than anything else, uh, just based on his profile. Uh, but I think the more balanced the Rays are, the better, especially with the, the you know, you look in the division. The Blue Jays, you know, lost Robbie Ray and Steven Matz but added Yusei Kikuchi. So they added another, you know, they did add a left-hander to the mix. You know, the Red Sox, even though Chris Sale is hurt right now, um, they still have Rich Hill. Uh, The Yankees have Jordan Montgomery. The Orioles have John Means and several young kids, including Bruce Zimmerman. The division has a fair amount of lefty starters, but also a pretty good amount of lefty relievers. So the more balanced you are, especially in-game, I think the better off you're going to be. Well, and one change, and we were discussing this before we started recording, but... The infield looks different in, in not the players necessarily, but most likely they're only going to have five infielders to start the season. You're not going to see as many switches and stuff and, and infielders probably going to the outfield because of the number of outfielders. But Joey Wendell departs, so that leaves you. You pretty much have a an everyday infield, correct, of G-Man Choi at first, Brendan Lau at second, Wander Franco at shortstop, and Yandy Diaz at third, and then Taylor Walls or Vidal Brujan being the fifth infielder that could probably play any position on the infield. Yeah, you know, I think I think what it amounts to is that Brandon Lau and Wander Franco are probably everyday players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Yandy Diaz will see time at first and third. Um, you know, Jimon Choi will probably play against right-handed pitching, more or less. And then Taylor Walls will become Joey Wendell and play second, short, third, depending on, A, if, if Lau or Franco need a day, uh, who they're facing, which would, you know, if he's playing third, Yandi could play first, and it gives you versatility from that regard. Um, and I think it speaks probably more so than anything to how good they feel Wander and Brandon are and how good they will be as everyday players. 
I mean, I think most Rays fans are pretty excited about, you know, A, the contract Wander got in the offseason and the long-term extension, but also what he can do in a full season. Um, you know, he's carried himself extremely well in spring training. It doesn't appear on the surface that that new deal has impacted him in any way, shape, or form. You mean other than parking in uh, Eric Neander's parking spot? <laughs> yeah, the, the Rays, I, I think the beauty of of the the climate here and the culture is that the Rays create such a culture where they are able to um, have fun with guys and they can still treat them in such a way where, um, you know, I think nobody is off limits in terms of busting their chops. And, you know, I think that was no more apparent than or, or, or clearly apparent when Wander Franco, you know, parked in the spot of Eric Neander, um, you know, guys found out about it. They moved his car onto the outfield in spring training, um, said they were going to use it for target practice, gave him a big hug. They moved the car then into Stuart Sternberg's spot, the principal owner, and everyone had a good laugh about it. And, you know, I think the fact that I think Wander said afterwards, if my if my teammates are happy, then I'm good with it, um, you know, speaks to just who he is in terms of his personality. All right, catching, it looks like the Rays are going to have both catchers back from last year, assuming no moves made, of course. Mike Zanino had a phenomenal year power-wise at the plate, and, of course, defensively he's really good. And then Francisco Mejia. So are, are the Rays sold that, that that's their catching duo for this year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Mike Zanino means so much to the pitching staff. I think the good thing is they had you know two guys in camp who they really, really like long-term. Um, Ford Proctor, who is a converted infielder who's been playing both, um, and, and certainly looks to be the part of a good bat going forward and, and how well he'll catch is, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done because he's only done this a couple seasons. But then Rene Pinzo, who was the taxi squad catcher for the playoffs last year and had a terrific year between double and triple A, is really stout defensively. Um, and while both were optioned on Sunday, you know, I, I think that the race field, there is some depth there. And they also have a, a veteran in Joe Hudson, who's a Tampa kid, um, who's a non-roster guy. So if there are injuries, I think they feel they can certainly uh, handle that. Um, but it's also nice to have both catchers back with this staff. It's nice to be talking about the Rays having depth at the catching position in mm -hmm. the minors because that hasn't always oh, been no, the case no here. Doubt. It's, it's no doubt. I mean, look, remember the year they got Travis Darnot, it was, it was like, you know, you'll probably have to. Your some of your listeners will have to Google this, but it was like the spinal tap of of catchers, <laughs> where like every week someone broke down physically, and then they're on the waiver wire looking to get someone. And and fortunately, everything worked out with Travis Darno, and he was great. But it really was, uh, you know, fortuitous situation where they acquired him from the Dodgers. But you know, this year, hopefully, not in that situation. At least, you know, here in March as we speak. So the Rays are coming off a 100-win season. They've won the AL East back-to-back -back seasons. They've been the best team in the American League of those two years. And they've done it, of course, we all know about using the opener and pitchers in different positions and players and that. But the Rays actually, this year, have a five-man starting rotation almost. And I'll use starter in air quotes because it doesn't mean they won't use an opener here and there and, and, and guys pitch differently, but... They kind of have five, and, and once you get a couple other guys healthy, six or seven starters, as you would call them, in baseball. I would agree. Um, you know, I think I think certainly it will depend somewhat on the opponent, and they will do things differently. But I think they brought in Corey Kluber as a veteran to be a starter. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously Shane McClanahan is a starter. You know, I think when fully stretched out, 
you know, Luis Patino is a starter. You know, they've got Drew Rasmussen, who they really love what he's done. Um, and then you've got Ryan Yarbrough, whose velocity was back and maybe even better than before on Sunday. Um, and then Josh Fleming. So, um, and then Shane Boz when he's healthy. So they do have options. I could certainly see some of those guys having an opener in front of them at times, depending on the opponent. Um, but, you know, I think when they use the opener, remember, it was a year where they lost a couple of starters to injury. They had to use some young guys and they had to find a way to make it work in a tough division. Certainly, if that were to happen this year, they probably would have to do the same. But right now, I do think there is, you know, some really good starting pitching. And hopefully at some point this year, they also get Yanni Chirinos back. Um, that'll give them that much more depth. And and the amazing thing is we're talking about the, the Rays having five, six, seven starters. And that doesn't include Tyler Glass now, who a chance he's back late season coming off Tommy John surgery. I never bank on that in that regard, but it, it's, it just shows you the depth that this organization has created in pitching and, and all the young arms that they've been bringing up and, and using the last few years. Yeah, he obviously he had a unique Tommy John surgery. There's this new surgery with a brace that allows you to supposedly come back quicker. I think Kenta Maeda, the twins had similar so it's hard to say how well that will work and what he could do and how well he could do it. Um, but, yeah, it does speak to what they've acquired. And there's also a kid in camp in Tommy Romero who the Rays really like as well, who, um, you know, I think part of the reason they traded Joe Ryan last year in the Nelson Cruz deal is because of their confidence in, in Tommy. Um, so, you know, he could play a role this year too. I, I, I think that, you know, the, the, probably they have more reliever depth than starter in bulk depth. Um, I think you can never have too much, uh, but we'll see kind of how that plays out as we go. Well, let's look at the bullpen. So the the rosters now are 26 in baseball, and the rule is you cannot have more than 13 pitchers this year. However, for the first month of the season with a shortened spring training because of the lockout and pitchers are not going to be stretched out come opening day yet, they're going to expand the rosters to 28. I believe there's no pitcher limit for the first month. Is that correct? Correct, correct. I think more than likely the Rays would start the year with 15 pitchers, but I could see them go 16. It is certainly possible. I think that the the concern with only going 12 position players would be the fact that um, they have 13 straight games without a day off to begin the year, and I think that would make it harder on the position players who, remember, also didn't have a full spring. So I think they want to be mindful of that. Um, I think what it would change is maybe they have another pitcher who can go multiple innings early in the year versus a one-inning guy. That would probably change how you, your dynamic of your bullpen, but, you know, to be determined, I'm sure. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So let's go through the bullpen a little bit. Uh, JT Chargua is probably going to be on the roster. Pete Fairbanks, now he was hurt Sunday. and Kevin Cash said it sounded like he's going to be out a while, so that probably does impact the bullpens come opening day in the first part of the season if he's going to miss some time, as he might be their best reliever back there uh, as far as any position. 
You have J.P. Fireisen, Andrew Kittredge, Matt Whistler, Brooks Raley. I mean, I think those are your probably your 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 best bullpen guys. Am I missing anyone in that first group? No, I I, I kind of see Kittredge as the lead dog, and mm-hmm. I know they love Raley. You know, it would be great to have a three headed monster with Fairbanks, and then have you know guys like Whistler and Fireisen and Shagwa kind of in that next year. I think. One guy, though, to speak of, you know, the Rays have a number of guys coming off injury. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Springs, Ryan Thompson, yep. um, Colin Pochet, and Jalen Beeks. I think Beeks is the furthest in terms of his comeback of the group. And I really, you know, a lot of guys in camp believe that he's going to immediately impact the group. He was so good before he got hurt in 20 um, that I think they really feel he can impact them. And one other guy to, to mention, at least at the beginning of the season, is Jason Adam. The Rays signed him on a, a major league deal, but a split contract. But his stuff has looked really, really good. Um, and I would not be shocked for him to have an impact, especially early in the year. What about some names like Chris Mazza, um, Ryan Thompson? Are they going to be early uh, players for the Rays, or is it going to be more in the minors for them to start? I definitely think it's possible that both could be on the opening day roster. You know, I I think Ryan, it's a question of, you know, how he's built up. Can he go back to back days or can he pitch multiple innings? You know, what, what is his health like coming off thoracic outlet syndrome? In in Chris Massa's case, I think the big question is, you know, how well is he stretched out in terms of, you know, and how much length did the Rays need and how can they, you know, create a roster spot? He's a non-roster invite. So he would have to be added to the roster. If Pete Fairbanks' injury is long-term, that quickly solves that because then you've created, you know, you've added a length guy. He certainly has been taking advantage of the fact that he was in minor league camp during the lockout. He looks like he has picked up right where he left off. He learned the slider from Chaz Rowe last year, um, and and Chaz has actually impacted Josh Fleming with a breaking ball too. Um, And, you know, I, I think... Chris has a chance to really help this group. It's just whether it's opening day or not at this point. And the roster, you know, adding a, a roster spot for him will will kind of figure into that. All right, one pitcher we got to see late last year in in in, in the playoffs was Shane Boz. I know he's hurt. So what's his status right now? So he had a you know a um, a loose body removed from his elbow, um, and and that happened a week ago. And he's supposed to not throw for two weeks or three, and then start rebuilding. I think, or, or building back up, I think it actually may work out for the better. While it stinks that he's not active, he did so well at the end of last year, he had not pitched more than 100 innings in a season. So my guess was at best he was 120 or 125. Um, I would think with a buildup he'd, av- he'd be available sometime in May. If he's available sometime in May, then you probably don't have to cl- as closely monitor the innings as much, you know, because you'd be missing maybe, you know, a quarter to a third of the season. And that would allow the race to be smart and wise in using him, um, you know, as assuming everything goes well. The good about that, that removal of that loose body in the elbow was that um, he um, had, uh, you know, they looked at the, the Tommy John ligament and everything they said was pristine. So it wasn't like there was any other issue other than that. Let's go through some of the other injuries. You mentioned Yanni Chirinos. They could get back at some point. What about Brendan McKay, who was, uh, was hitting, you know, was a hitter and a pitcher. I believe he's going straight to pitching now, correct? Yes. So he started throwing bullpens, will face hitters in April. Um, he's been optioned to the minors, you know, because he really hasn't pitched in two years. Mm-hmm. And I think um, he now says he's fully healthy. He had a shoulder injury, then thoracic outlet syndrome. 
says he's good now, says he finally feels good and strong. Um, you know, I think that that is, you know, a real positive for him going forward. Um, if he can get back to where he was and feels good now, you know, I think he definitely can be an impactful guy during the season. And, and I really should have mentioned him when I mentioned Yanni Chirinos because, you know, those are guys who may not be ready in April, but as the season goes along, if they can stay healthy the first month or two, if there are needs for reinforcements, those guys certainly can provide a lift. What about Nick Anderson? He was so good in 2020. Struggled in the playoffs, said he had some fatigue. And then last year, you, you know, he struggled a little bit, had, was injured a lot. So, And I know he's injured now. What's his status? I think the hope is, is that they finally got things right with the procedure they did in the offseason and that he's going to be ready somewhere around the All-Star break. Um, you know, we always talk about trade acquisition deadlines um, or trade acquisitions at the deadline. He really could be one of those guys this year. Um, if he's back to where he was normally – you know, and I think there are probably a couple other minor leaguers that I would think have a great chance to impact the bullpen over time. Um, the Rays may have as deep a bullpen as they've had. You know, again, barring injury, I really like the group they have overall. Well, let's talk about who are some of those minor league pitchers that may impact the bullpen or the even possibly the rotation this season. You know, we mentioned Tommy Romero in terms of the rotation. The two bullpen guys I would touch on, one would be Colby White. He was the minor league reliever of the year. He struck out more than 100 guys in 60-plus innings last year, which is amazing, and went from low A to triple A. Um, you know, I think he's still figuring out some things with his delivery here in spring training and had some nerves in the two outings he had, but I think he could be impactful. Um, the other one is Calvin Fauché. Calvin was added to the 40-man roster. The Rays got him in the trade where they also acquired Nelson Cruz. And Fauché is a guy with two breaking balls, mid-90s fastball, um, who has swing and miss stuff. I think probably needs some more seasoning in AAA. Uh, but the Rays have made some tweaks with him. He feels really comfortable in their system and hoping that you know they kind of found a diamond in the rough when they added him in that Nelson Cruz trade. All right, so the Rays, as we discussed, are you know back-to-back American League East champs. Uh, the best record in the American League the last two seasons. So what can Rays fans expect this year? I, I know that the division is changing. I mean, the Yankees what traded Gary Sanchez and Urshela. Um, they've added some pitching depth. Boston's added some pitching depth. Uh, Toronto's rotation's a little different, but that's a very stout lineup. Uh, I don't expect Baltimore to really compete in this division again this year. So, But that's four really good teams at the top of this division. So what can we expect this year? I wouldn't be shocked if all four teams made the playoffs, Steve. I mean, this is a year where, um, remember, they expanded the playoffs to 12. So yep. six teams in each league. So three division winners, three wild cards. If the three wild cards came out of this division, remember four teams won 90 games a year ago? Um, you know, I think that um, that wouldn't be shocking to me at all. You know, I thought what the separator was last year is that the Rays went 18-1 and against the Baltimore Orioles, where nobody else was close to that. Can they do that again? That's going to be really, really hard to do. Um, and I think the other difference maker, what makes Toronto especially tough, is not necessarily the changes they made on their roster, but let's remember the last two years they were a vagabond team playing in Buffalo, playing in Dunedin in Buffalo, um, and now they get to play at home in Toronto all year, and um, because of the way things are, if a player is not vaccinated on the opposing team, He's on the restricted list and can't play. That's a huge home field advantage for them after a home field disadvantage the last two years. So I think that's going to really make the division race extremely interesting. Health will play a big factor for all four clubs, but I think all four teams are really, really good, and I think four of the top six teams in the league for sure. 
One news note that we were following, obviously, about a week ago, Freddie Freeman signed with the Dodgers. But from all reports, the Rays made a serious play to get Freddie Freeman and a pretty serious contract offer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's we see Wander Franco gets a huge deal. Granted, backloaded as they're going to get a new stadium uh, here in a, a five, six years or so. Uh, but to see the Rays going out and trying to put that money, I mean, they've always been criticized for not spending money. But to see them make those offers, what does that say about the Rays and, and where the organization is right now? Well, I think it speaks to a couple things. One, Steve, it speaks to how good the team was last year. Like, and when you're when you've won a hundred games, and when you've gone what 162 after a 40 and 20 shortened season, how do you get better? Like, you can't. It's harder to do on the, if if you're doing it on the margins. That's great, but if you're going to make an impact, the one position where you could argue they could have a big jump would be at first base. And there was one guy who really could help you make a big jump. Um, and I think, you know, obviously the Rays made a sincere effort because they thought that Freddie potentially could have that impact. Ultimately, he went to L.A., um, you know, and, and certainly wish him well. Uh, at least the Rays don't see him in their division. That's a good thing. Um, or see him on a regular basis every single year. Although I guess with the new schedules next year, they will see him very, very briefly. Um, you know, I, I think that Overall, for me, I think it shows that if they have a chance to make a big move that they think will have a major impact on their club, they will definitely do it and, and look into every avenue, as they always have. But this was probably a little more unique than others. So one of the changes this year, and, and I'm going to have you explain it, so that the Rays have always been very creative in the way they call up players, send them down. I remember Lewis Head last year, what was it, 13 up and downs. Um, the Dodgers are another team that does this a lot. Uh, calls up a lot of different players and them down, but there's limits this year on how many times you can send a player down, option a player down. Correct? Correct. It's five. So I, I think the Rays, for all the talk about how the Rays were were sending guys up and down, there were three guys who went up and down more than five times. Um, if that happens once you go over five, you have to be designated for assignment. Now, optioned in March before the season starts doesn't count as one of those. Mm-hmm. So you know you start at zero to begin the year. Um, I got clarification on that before I recorded this to make sure I understood the rule because it is new. Um, the Dodgers and Giants had more players, mm-hmm. believe it or not, optioned five more than five times than any club. So they may have a bigger adjustment than the Rays, and I think last year the adjustments were more so. 2020 shortened season, a lot of guys already on the 60-day injured list, a lot of guys coming off injury, more guys got hurt. And they had to scramble a little bit. And I think there will be cases where you may have to designate someone for assignment that you don't think can help you long term just because you're going to need the roster space. But I think that's not only for the Rays. I think that's for mm-hmm. all teams. And I think clubs are going to have to be mindful of that as, you know, as they make their decisions during the course of the year. But, you know, I, I get it from both sides. Like, you don't want to be up and down constantly, but it may lead to more players going from team to team to team during the course of the year, which I don't know necessarily is as good either. You know, and I think, in, let's say in the case of a Lewis Head, he was 31 with selling solar panels before he signed with the race, had never been to the big leagues. He got more big league time here than he ever had in his life. Um, and I think that also afforded him the opportunity to create something where he got traded to Miami because the Marlins saw what the Rays did with him and wanted to see if he could work with them. Yeah, Rick and I have talked many times of how, I believe it was Tom Verducci wrote a column for Sports Illustrated this past year about is Rays good for baseball. And it was talking about, you know, the players going up and down and how many players they've used. 
when the Giants and Dodgers yes. have used more. And but that never gets talked about or written about. You know, it's it's such a, a lazy narrative from, from it definitely guys was. like that. It it was from a large market perspective. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Um, but you know, I, I think I think Eno Saris of the Athletic did a really good job if if folks do read, you know, the Athletic. I think he framed it extremely well. Um and and I think um, you know, I think there will be a lot of teams that need to adapt, and I think the Rays actually may have to adapt less than others. Yeah, the, the, the Rays always seem to be a step or two ahead of most teams. And, and you know, you can change the rules of baseball, and they'll play within those rules and, and figure it out. I mean, that's if there's something we've learned over the last seven, eight years as, as Eric Neander has taken over, you know, the baseball operations here and, and his staff and crew and Kevin Cash and that is that – Whatever the rules are, tell us what it is, and we'll figure out the best way to put our team in a position to win. And more often than not, they're correct. I, I would say amen to that. You know, I, I think um, it's a forward-thinking group. It's it's a group that is extremely detail-oriented, and it's a group that I think um, you know realizes who they are and isn't afraid to take chances. But at the same time, I think knows their personnel extremely well, probably inside and out better than any group. And I think that's why they generally have made such good moves for the organization all, all around. We'll wrap up on this one. And you've heard lots of talk uh, last year and in, in previous years and going into the CBA about banning the shift. And, and just so everyone's clear is baseball can do some things to ban the shift, but not this year. That's going to wait till next year based on the CBA because it was such a short ramp up with spring training and that. So, you know, obviously the Rays have – mastered or you know used the shift very well seems to play to their advantage quite often but how might that impact the game and the Rays in the future I think it would help the Rays believe it or not more than it would hurt and here's why I say that if you look at the athleticism that the Rays have on their infield going forward with Taylor Walls with Wander Franco with Vidal Brujan and some of the guys they have in the minors if you can't shift players the most athletic infielders will get to more baseballs. Take a look at the range of Xander Bogarts at DJ LeMahieu and aging Josh Donaldson. I can go on and on on clubs. The teams with the more athletic infielders will make more plays. And I also think that those guys are very contact-oriented and will put more balls in play, and I think that also will benefit the Rays. Um, I, I think that you still, if a shortstop is still one step from the second base bag on the third base side of it, and I don't know what the rules are going to be next year. We all don't know yet. But if let's say they do something like that, it's still a rangy shortstop is still going to handle that ball up the middle. Um, and vice versa for a right-hand batter if a second baseman is a step from the bag and going to be able to make plays. So I don't think it's going to be as impactful as we think. Um, especially from a race perspective for, for those reasons on the offensive and the defensive side. That's good stuff, Neil. We appreciate it. I know you're spending your off day talking to us, so we really appreciate that. As what, There's only one off day this spring for teams. So, um. Yes, uh, we'll, we're getting into it quickly, um, and I'm really looking forward to the start of the season, April 8th. So we'll be listening to you and Andy and Dave on Rays Radio, of course, all season. Opening day is April 8th against the Orioles. It's a 3 o'clock start, is that correct? Yes, yes. 3 o'clock start, so you can make it a doubleheader because the Lightning uh, hosts the Blackhawks that night at 7. So a great sports day here in Tampa Bay. But baseball is back. We were afraid it may not be here or a lot later, but uh, 
just starting one week after it was supposed to, so that's good news, and we'll be listening to you all year. Thank you, Neil. You got it, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.